welcome to the Field Log Podcast, weekly reflections for the Warrior King to help you master yourself, fulfill your purpose, and conquer the day. I'm your host, Marcian Sicario. Field Log, Day 113, On Hope. When I think back to the days before I became Orthodox, before I was chrismated into the church, and I try to find some sort of thread that, let's say, characterized those days. You know, in, you know, what is it that can be the clearest distinction between life before Christ, life after Christ? There's a number of things that sort of come into contention there, right? There's a few things that could get that title of most um, characteristic, if you will, of a non-Christian life. There is this arrogance, right? There's this idea that you know best. There's this idea that authority is something evil and that you need to shake off, which ironically is always something that people feel applies to themselves, but never to others, right? If you have authority over someone, you want that person to listen to what you say, but not vice versa. There is the disregard of the concept of sin. You feel like you can do whatever you want to do. You can be who you want to be, say what you want to say, do what you want to do. And think that it doesn't matter. But out of everything that characterized that life, thinking back on it now, I think the thing that's strongest, the thing that was most ubiquitous, if you will, is a lack of hope. Right? If you read the New Testament scriptures, if you read the letters from St. Paul, especially the epistles, you get this idea of Strictly speaking, you know, very precisely, of the hope in the resurrection, right? And that's a the phrase you'll hear very commonly in Orthodoxy, and I imagine in other denominations in Christianity as well. But specifically in Orthodoxy, we talk about the hope of the resurrection, right? If you look at the Nicene Creed, a statement that all Christians should believe, right? There are unfortunately some people now who reinterpret it or are non-credo Christians, but should, right? This is sort of the de- the actual definition of what it means to be a Christian to believe the Nicene Creed. There is a part towards the end, and of course, you'll know it off the top of your head, but it's hard to start in the middle. So I'm, I'm trying to remember, how does it go? Um, I believe in one baptism for the remission of sins. I hope in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. So it's baked into the very fabric of what it means to be Christian. Whereas when you're living a life outside of Christ, outside of the church, there's always this quiet thrum of hopelessness or despair, if you will, that characterizes everything you believe, everything you say, everything you do, especially for the atheist, for people who don't believe in an afterlife at all, or don't believe in a soul. They believe that life is all there is, which really makes death the most horrifying reality that you could imagine. Because death means that you are gone forever. Every semblance of what it is that you are will no longer exist, which is why some people aim for notoriety or making themselves historic, trying to live on in the memory of other people. But it goes beyond just the hope in the resurrection. Christian hope is something that infects the way you think in all areas of life. Right? One of the strongest threads of thought now, for me personally at least, and I imagine for you as well if you're a Christian, is that 
anything that happens to you, if it's negative, doesn't seem so bad. And if it's positive, seems all the better. Right? If something happens to you, it makes you very happy, you know, there is, let's say, a stroke of good fortune, what you might call a blessing of some sort, an earthly blessing. You're very grateful because you know that it means that, and it, as usual, I'll interject here, I'm not a priest, I'm not a theologian, general disclaimer, if I say anything that sounds off, please check it with your priest. There is a disclaimer in the show notes. I know I did that mid-thought, but it's because I'm about to say something that is starting to become theological in nature. If you're blessed by God, it usually means that whatever the blessing is, is something that God set aside for you and that you have followed his commandments and acted in a way that has allowed him to entrust that blessing to you. So whenever something comes into your life that's a blessing, it's, it's great, right? You get really excited about it. You're very grateful, not only because the thing itself is something that you desired and you now realize that it was most likely, and it's always possible you're misinterpreting, but most likely something that God approves of. Let's say you wanted some job, right? You were applying to some new job and you got the job. And you might, you know, come to the conclusion that you've been praying about it and God granted it to you so that it's generally a positive thing for you. So there's all the more reason to be excited about it. But when something negative happens to you, and that's probably what I'll be focusing on for the majority of today's field log, you have hope. Because the very first thing after, you know, the shock of the event or whatever it is that happened passes and you start to reflect on it, you start to pray about it. The very first thing is that you realize that everything happens for a reason. And this is something that you hear so commonly, it's a massive cliche. But this way of thinking has really started to become very central, at least for me personally, and I imagine for you as well, maybe the more you enter the spiritual life, the more you start to commit yourself to being the man that you're supposed to be, the more you start to see that whatever it is that's happening to you is part of the plan, right? It's part of the process. We hear this all the time in the writings of the church fathers, in the holy tradition. We hear this all the time, this idea that God uses anything and everything for the salvation of men. Right? Ultimately, everything that we're doing here, everything that you're working towards as a man living the warrior king life, everything that you're committing yourself to is centered in and around the idea of salvation. Right? Nothing matters if not for the kingdom of God. Everything we do, we do to serve God's purpose for us, which is his way of saving us, right? God gives us a particular purpose to allow us to acquire the qualities that we need to have. For example, the warrior king life, let's say you're building a business, right? You're handling money a lot. God will give you temperance and an opportunity to practice being generous and not be greedy, right? If you're building your body, that's an opportunity not to be arrogant or vain or prideful. If you're building your mind, same thing. If you start to become, let's say, a very successful man, even in earthly terms, you know, even in ways that other people in the world might appreciate, maybe women will start taking an interest in you and then you get the opportunity to practice temperance and purity. So everything that we're doing, all the ways we're living out our purpose and our calling are ways not only for us to enter the kingdom of God, but also for us to help others into the kingdom of God, right? There is no way around the reality that if you try to preach the gospel to somebody and that person does not respect you, you will get nowhere. Now, that's not to say that in order to preach the gospel, you have to be wealthy and well-dressed and eloquent and strong and all of those things. That's not what it means. But there's a certain demographic of people who will only listen to that kind of person. 
right? There are certain headstrong individuals in this world who, if they don't respect who you are as a person, are not going to respect your beliefs. Right now, of course, the people who are truly the most, at least in my experience, the most successful in preaching the gospel are meek, humble, and simple, right? And of course, we're all called to be meek and humble, but especially simplicity might not be something that's part of your particular calling, right? If you think about an Orthodox emperor, for example, their entire life is far from simple. So it's not a requirement, at least as it appears to me, check this with your priest, as it appears to me, that's not a requirement for the Christian life. But there is a lot of power in becoming a very, let's say, traditionally masculine man, you know, financially successful, eloquent, a good leader, physically strong, generous, kind, and in some ways stoic maybe even, in getting people to respect your beliefs. So everything that we do centers around the idea of salvation. So whenever, to return to the original thought, whenever something happens to you that you're very unhappy about, you know, maybe you injure yourself, maybe, God forbid, someone you love passes away, maybe a relationship ends, maybe you get fired from your job or you lose your biggest client, right? Things happen. Your Christian hope, the hope that lives in you is going to help you understand. And of course, I'm speaking from personal experience here and I'm not great at this, but we all have to work towards this attitude. It will help you understand that whatever's happening to you, A, doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, right? Compared to eternity, whatever event you just experienced is meaningless. But beyond that, even in that moment, you can have hope understanding that this is good for you. I think there's a quote from, and please don't quote me on this, someone fact check this, but I think it's St. Isaac the Syrian who said, in all things, something along the lines of, and I'm really going to butcher this quote, but Basically, I'm going to paraphrase it. He says, you know, whenever bad things happen to you and all negative things that happen to you, thank God saying, thank you, Lord, because this was needed for my salvation. I think it was St. Isaac the Syrian. Could have been another saint. Could have been, for all I know, it could have been St. Paisios. But I could have sworn I saw it attributed to St. Isaac. But someone fact check that if you want to and let me know what it was and I'll bring it up in the next field log. But that's the idea, is that when you have hope, and when you're really, you know, overcome by hope, and it, it really isn't your entire being and the way you think and the way you act, anything that happens to you will make you smile in some ways, you know? You can sort of smile through whatever difficulty you're experiencing because you have something to hope for. And that is one of the many ways, you know, it's not in every way that being a Christian will help you get the job done, but in many ways. Right? You know, some things about being a Christian make getting the job done harder. So it's not always about making things easier. Right? If you think about, let's say, all night vigil, for example, and you have work the next day, being a Christian on that day will make your work harder, but that's fine. That's good for you. But one of the ways it makes the job easier is that we have a generally better attitude. Right? You know, there's certain ways in which having that attitude is going to enable you to work through difficult times that a man of lesser or no faith will not be able to do. Right, and I'll say that one more time to really let that sink in. There are going to be certain times in your life where the only thing helping you through a difficult time is your hope. Not only in the resurrection, not only in God's mercy, not only in God's grace, 
but just in the very fact that whatever is happening to you is for your salvation, all of it, right? It's meant to be hard work. We talk about this all the time. It's meant to be hard work. It's not just about the outcome. It's about who you become in the process, right? That's really important because the only thing in this world that you take with you into the next world, you know, aside from at the resurrection, our bodies will be perfected and resurrected. So I suppose this body stays. But beyond that, the only thing you take with you is the state of your soul, is your character, is your virtue. So if you work towards something, let's say you build a business from nothing. You grew up poor, you start a business, you work on it for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, becomes very successful. You start to use that success to take care of your family, take care of your friends, take care of your church community, take care of less fortunate people. All of that is amazing. That's beautiful. But when you die, you don't, you don't take that wealth with you. You don't take that notoriety with you. You don't take any of that with you. What you do take with you is the person you become in the process. And one of the things that's really good to be, that's good for your soul, good for your virtue, good for your character, is hardworking, right? Is tenacious. Because we know that sloth is a great sin. So when you're a diligent person, that's very good for you. And hope will help you do that. If you know that I have to do these things, I have to get through this difficulty, whatever it is, you know, maybe there's something that you just can't seem to get right. There's something where you slip up constantly. We all have things like that, right? Habitual sins. We all have things like that. If you keep trying, you keep praying, you keep asking people to pray for you, you ask the saints to intercede on your behalf, you know, you pray, pray to the Lord, pray to the saints, you ask your priest to pray for you, you do all these things, you confess frequently, you commune frequently, if you do all of this, there is no telling how far you can get, how much progress you can make compared to the man of little faith or the man of no faith. Right, a man of no faith, let's say the thing that he values most in this world, it's not God, Obviously, he has no faith. The thing he values most in the world might be his health, might be his wealth, might be his family. And God forbid, those things could be taken away from him. What would that leave him with? Nothing, right? The thing that's most valuable to him has been taken away. He's probably going to go through an identity crisis. He doesn't know why this is happening. Obviously, to him, it's all random, right? There is no God. The, chaos, uh, the, the universe is just chaos. It's just a random assortment of particles. And you're just on a rock floating aimlessly through space and none of it matters. A man like that will not be as resilient. right? A man like that, losing the function of his legs, will think that his life is forever objectively worse and there's no reason for it. It just is that way. The universe is cold and dead. Everything hates him. I can't really imagine at this point in my life what that would feel like. And you should never be tempted by that view. Of course, we know that the arguments for God are overwhelming, right? I'm not going to rehash any of that here. This is not meant to be a theological podcast. Plus, I'm probably not the right person to make those arguments anyway. But when you have faith in God, by the time you're fully convinced you've had a personal experience during liturgy, you've seen the theological arguments, you've seen the change in yourself, you hear the accounts of the saints, and all of this comes together to give you this image of something that is really bulletproof, a, a worldview that has to be adopted. Once you get to that point, you know, the idea of, of, of seeing life like this, meaningless, and anything that happens to you is just an accident, kind of crazy. 
and to work through that, right? To, to try to actually work beyond that and get through it anyway and, 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 you know, keep a smile on your face. I don't know anyone that could do that. That seems incredibly difficult. But when you listen to accounts of the saints, right, these exceptionally holy men and women, they would smile through difficulty, through trouble, through pain, understanding that it was purifying them, right? There's a story that I've told on the field log once or twice before. And I think I saw it in a Father Josiah video, right? Father Josiah Trenum, very famous Orthodox priest on YouTube. I'm a huge fan of his. I think he's very, very fantastic. And a lot of the things he teaches are very, very hard, but very fair. Well, he tells the story of a man who was the spiritual father to a women's monastery. And he was at some sort of clergy conference, right? I think it was priests and monks and nuns and bishops at this conference. And he was there, a couple of the nuns from the monastery that he shepherds were there. And a rumor started to go around the monastery that he was having immoral sexual relations with the nuns. Right? And this is very similar to the story of St. Paisios, which you might know if you've seen Man of God or read his you know, hagiography. I've seen the movie and I enjoyed it. And one of the nuns gets wind of this. And she's just horrified. Right? She can't believe that people are saying these things. And she goes running to the priest. And she says, Father, you're never going to believe what people are saying about us. They're saying that you are having immoral sexual relations with us, the nuns. And some people are even starting to say that there's illegitimate children being bored of these sexual relations and, you know, just the most horrifying, scandalous gossip that you can imagine. And as she's telling him all of the things that people are saying about him and about her, he starts to get a smile on his face, right? He seems to smile bigger and bigger. And she starts to think to herself, I I think this old man is starting to, you know, he's not really grasping what I'm saying here, so I'm going to repeat it one more time. And she tells him, the whole thing again. And by that point, he's like grinning or laughing. And she gets really angry at him. She says, how can you laugh at this? You know, people are being really hurt by these rumors. Right? This is very hurtful. And then he says to her, don't you see, sister, that with each of these rumors, God is carving away one layer of stone from my heart. And this was needed for my salvation. Right, what, a, what a beautiful attitude to see, to experience something happening to you that for anybody, right, I don't care how stoic you are, I don't care how calm and collected and peaceful, that's very hard to hear. But his understanding of, of the hope of the Lord was so strong that he immediately recognized the event as something that he could use for character growth that God was providing him with, Right is that God allowed to happen. God doesn't make bad things happen to us. God allows things to happen sometimes. Sometimes he shields us from them. Sometimes he allows them for our salvation. So he recognized that immediately and was unperturbed. Not only that, you know, in in some ways he found joy in that experience, you know, this sort of sweet suffering, understanding that it's good for you. It's almost in some ways, um, to use a, a rough metaphor, it's kind of like, the, the physical fatigue that you feel when you're weight training, right? You're lifting weights, you're really tired, it's you know really hard, maybe you're sweating, maybe you're out of breath, but you get this sense of joy, right? You, you, you really get happy about that you're putting in all that work knowing that it's really good for your body, that you're building a lot of physical strength. 
So when you have that knowledge, that certainty, you just know that the process works because you've seen it work. But you've been working out for three years, four years, five years, 10 years, I don't know. However long you've been training, you just know that it works. And if you just do the right thing, that you're going to grow from that. And the fact that it hurts, not only does it become meaningless, but in some ways you even sort of take joy in it because you associate the physical pain from training, right? Discomfort from training with the growth that comes with it. And I think the same is true with, with circumstances in life that are, you know, difficult trials that we experience in life is the more you experience those things, the more you start to appreciate them, the more you start to be grateful because you know that they're really good for you and that they're needed for your salvation. So that's, that's something to think about, right? Today, as you're going about your day, you know, maybe you're listening to this in the morning when it came out, you know, you're in the morning making your coffee or you just finished your morning prayers or about to do your journaling or on your way to work. Think about that idea, right? Think about not only how hope is one of the theological virtues, faith, hope, and love, right? That we're supposed to have, that we're called to, but also about just how good it is for you, even practically, to be a hopeful person and to understand that whatever it is that's happening, good or bad, in the context of God, these things are all good for us, whatever they are. By being a hopeful person, never falling into despair. Right? Despair is such a such a spiritual disease that we really have to avoid. So to always keep that in mind. Or think about that today. I'm gonna to try to think about that today when I'm hearing these words after this comes out. To go about my day and understand that whatever happens, it's for my salvation. You know, whatever happens to you is for your salvation. And take that knowledge into the rest of the week rest of the month, you know, the rest of your life, really, right? This is something that we should always be thinking about. And of course, this field log serves like every other field log we have as a reminder to myself. To always remember that we hope in the resurrection of the dead and the life eternal. These are some thoughts for you to ponder, right? To mull over on hope. That's it for this week's Field Log. If you like what you heard today, you can follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on right now. You can also rate the show. That always helps out a lot. You can find me on Instagram, threads, and TikTok at marcian.cx for Field Log snippets, art, philosophy, and training-related content. You can also visit the website at marcian.cx for much more of the same. I'm still working on consolidating the Warrior King content into the marcian.cx project. So check back at the website soon for the new and improved Warrior King training protocol, which is going to include supersets and my updated supplement recommendations. There's also a 2024 goal setting guide on the way, and of course the Warrior King newsletter. If any of that sounds appealing to you, the links to everything are in the show notes below. It's all free, and as always, conquer the day. <laughs>